It has been two years, six months, and 13 days since I last treated a patient. I have a question today from Naveen. Naveen asks, why is it often less strenuous to keep moving versus standing still? Does that differ from person to person? Naturally, things do differ from person to person, but for the most part, the, the, the fundamental part of your question is actually true. Uh, when it comes to these kinds of questions, I like to think back at what it was that shaped humanity. Modern humans originated as hunter-gatherers, and I've kind of referenced this before in previous episodes, but review for those of you who haven't heard it. The hunter-gatherer mechanism was very much not about speed. It was about tools, it was about intelligence, but more importantly, it was about efficiency. Humans are the most efficient runners on the planet. Some of that is due to the fact that we're only using two limbs instead of four, like most animals. That does make us slower, but it just burns a lot less energy, given that we're using half the amount of limbs. We also have an incredible ability to dispense of heat, uh, being able to sweat is a major portion of that, but there's many mechanisms that, that have to do with our efficiency. So if we aren't faster than animals, one of the more optimal ways for us to hunt when we couldn't always trap is to simply outrun the animal. Chasing them around in an open plain, they will be faster. They will get away quicker. But then we just continue to trot along, sort of tortoise in the hare style. I guess human in the hare style for this discussion. But the point is, is that eventually that animal will exhaust itself. It's, it builds up too much heat and it simply can't continue running. So we really didn't even have to work that hard. We just chase them around trotting for a, quite some time. And then you poke it with a spear and carry it back to camp. But you can't live on animal alone. So you've got to go back out and forage for root vegetables and berries, which is effectively a lot of walking. So our bodies developed, the most optimal hunter-gatherers developed around this concept of just pretty much constantly moving. There wasn't a lot of our day where we weren't running or walking. That basically made it so that the systems that, that we have, like our circulatory system, that is our blood flow, our respiratory system, our nervous system, all of these things were built around this concept of movement. Circulatory system, uh, specifically the 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 blood pressure number that we will measure, the, the typical that we go for is 120 over 80. Uh, the unit of measurement is not necessarily important, but that's when the heart is pumping and when the heart is relaxed in the arteries. When your blood gets to the veins, all of that pressure is dissipated quite a bit, so that top number, the 120, will drop down to 25 to 20. And again, the unit of measurement is important, but you can see the, the giant difference in, in the, the, the arterial blood pressure versus the vein blood pressure. So in order for the blood to get from the veins back to the heart, you basically need to repeatedly contract your muscles, which squeezes the blood up the vein to get it back to your heart. Uh, our respiratory system does best with jarring movements to sort of shake up some of that stuck-in-there mucus and phlegm to kind of cough it up. Our nervous system needs to be able to have a similar pumping mechanism, s similar, not the same pumping mechanism as a circulatory system to help it clear waste. Our lymphatic system, which is sort of our, our sewer system, to, to be frank, also works based upon movement. All of these aspects come together to basically say that, that movement is what we are built to do. Um, another thing that I, that I like to reference for people with questions like this is, is we're going to do a little bit of a, a test. Now, anybody who has an injury or fears they might be injured or currently has pain, do not do this. Uh, but for everybody else, I want you to take your index finger and bend it backwards, not to the point of pain, just to the point where it stops, where it doesn't want to go anymore. 
you should feel a pretty heavy stretch. And you're going to hold it there for about 10 seconds, which is a really long time. But as I'm talking while you're doing this, you're noticing that there is an increasing amount of discomfort. Again, if there's pain, stop doing it. But it's getting, as that, that, that discomfort increases, 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 your inevitable desire is to curl it up. Go ahead and do that right now. Curl, you can even move your finger around a little bit. And what you'll notice is that that discomfort starts to dissipate relatively quickly. We put a static load on a tissue. It didn't like it. Movement then reduced that discomfort relatively quick. So it's in these, this concept of if, if we're hanging on certain tissues, it's just too much stress on it. It doesn't give it a break. So that repeated movement means that not, not every tissue is really getting a, a constant stress. And then the other part of why it is important to be conti- continually moving actually has to do with your joints. Uh, on the ends of our bones, there is a, a special type of cartilage. And this cartilage doesn't really have a blood supply. Uh, there are living cells. They're not, very, they're not very many relative to what our cellular system would look like in, in say, our skin. But there are living cells in that cartilage that help support that matrix. Uh, in the joint, the, the joint is actually encased by a capsule. And in that joint, there's a fluid called synovial fluid. And that fluid is, is very vital for the health of the cartilage in your joints. Now, anything that's alive produces waste, right? It also needs to eat, so to speak. So the way that the cells in that cartilage, when they don't have blood which is normally where you get your, your waste dispensation and your, your food dispensation from, when there's no blood supply there, uh, what the body does with that synovial fluid is it actually takes, it, there's, a, there's a principle called osmosis where nutrients are osmotically transferred through membranes so that it, the, the nutrients go from the food, or excuse me, from the blood into the joint space, into that synovial fluid. And then on the other side of that, the waste osmotically transfers through membranes to go from the synovial fluid to the bloodstream. Now, in order for these cells that are buried in this cartilage to get access to the food and to get rid of their waste, we actually need repeated impact. So when you are, say, running, when your foot hits the ground, the joint space compresses, and that cartilage, kind of like a sponge full of water, gets compressed and it wrings out, in this case, waste products that are produced by those cells inside that, that cartilage matrix. When that foot that landed then comes off the ground as you're running, your joint space opens back up, allowing that sponge to, to sort of re-expand, which is then going to suck up some of that synovial fluid that has the, that the food in it. So the cells, in order to eat and in order to get rid of their waste, they need actual repeated compression to work. And a common thing that's that's brought up uh, frequently, even in the medical community these these days, is that that running is really hard on your knees. That it's that it's bad for your joints. Uh, that's actually an inaccurate statement. With a little bit of an asterisk, there was a really really cool study that I read uh, while I was in PT school that compared elite level marathoners, Olympic level marathoners, and casual runners, and they classify casual runners as 50 miles per week, which I thought doesn't sound casual at all, but that's because I don't like to run myself. And then people who were largely sedentary. What I ended up learning from this study was that the elite marathoners, the Olympic marathoners, had the worst arthritic changes in their knee. Now, if you watch an Olympic marathoner run, 
their form is really good for speed, but really not great for knees. And, and just watching it, a lot of people can look at it and go, wow, that just looks painful. They are doing everything they can to go for more speed. And the volume with which they are running is also where that hardness on the joints comes from. Casual runners actually had the lowest rate of arthritis, especially compared to those who were sedentary. The sedentary people were not getting the, the repeated compression in the joint space, and so the, the, the cells in that cartilage weren't getting the food that they needed and then died, which then allowed the cartilage to be easily flaked off. Now, there's a key point to this with the casual runners. Form must be good. If you have improper form and you're loading only a tiny portion of the joint as opposed to the whole surface area because the form is off, now you're causing unnecessary wear and tear on one se section, and that can increase arthritis. But to make a blanket statement that running is hard on the knees is just not true as long as you keep to a casual running level. So once again, we're left with this with another story of movement is what the body is built to do and, in fact, necessary for the body to move functionally. Now, you don't have to run. Walking is still just, just as fine in terms of movement, um, particularly if you're going for a brisk walk. But fundamentally, that's where this comes from. Static is just, just not something our body wants to do. A sitting desk and a standing desk uh, is, is often something that's cited as like, well, you know, standing desks are great. That's, you know, it's better than sitting. Uh, it's not necessarily achievable for everybody, but really the treadmill desk is, is the best way to go. And there's an adjustment period associated with getting one. But there is a statistic uh, called all-cause mortality. It's very difficult in medicine to link something in a causal relationship. Blank happens and that causes blank to happen. That's very difficult to establish. There's many correlations, but that doesn't mean they're, they're, they're related. All-cause mortality is just to say if you die, then you're part of all-cause mortality. But we don't have to link it to why did you die. In a, in a study looking at all-cause mortality, people who were static died earlier, statistically speaking, than those who were more mobile. So again, we have this, this consistent theme that generally our body just wants to move. It's what keeps, its health, it keeps it healthiest. And so you're getting feedback from your body that is basically rewarding you saying, it feels better when I continue to move. And that's why it is less energy, less impact, less, less challenge when you are moving as opposed to when you're static. I hope that answers your question, Naveen. Listeners, if you are a healthcare provider of any kind and you're willing to be interviewed, or if anyone has any questions you would like me, like me to answer, you can reach me at nerdhealth at gmail.com or on Twitter at nerd4health. That's nerd, the number four, health. Until next time, I ask all of you to join me in taking a little time each day to try to learn something new or grow as a person in some small way. Signing off for today.